We need to audit our own social media worlds and our own online lives. I mean, I've been at, in coffee shops and I've seen the teenagers not on their phones and the parents distracted on their phones. And so if we're telling our kids, don't take devices and phones into the bedroom, are we doing that? When we say no phones at the dinner table, is dad on his phone? Now, I'm doing important business, so it's okay for me to be on my phone. You can't be on Snapchat. We have to lead by example. And obviously, there, we are still the parents, and there are certain times where we would need our phones or there's certain things on our phones that our children don't have access to because it might be a private conversation. But we do need to be practicing what we're preaching in terms of social media and also that we don't fall into the traps. On the program last time, Christy Herselman spoke about the realities of our children growing up in an online world and some of the dangers and adverse effects the digital age has presented to parents. We don't see technology in a negative way, but we do feel the need to make sure that parents are well-educated and aware of the pitfalls related to internet use. Thank you for joining us for today's Focus on the Family. Your host is Focus CEO Graham Schnell, and I'm Alison Schnell. Well, we had a great conversation with Christy last time, just speaking about navigating this online world that we live in and uh, putting in place some boundaries, but certainly understanding the realities of, of what our kids are involved with online and in this digital era that we live in. But probably most importantly, just journeying with them and having that conversation, keeping it open, parenting well, so that we're equipping our kids to handle this online world. Yeah, and we're really glad to have Christy back with us today. Christy has written a brand new book called Hashtag WellConnected, How to Be Safe, Wise and Kind Online. Thank you so much for being back with us, Christy. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> Christy, we spoke a lot about just the, the reality of our kids involved in, in this world that sometimes we don't fully understand. And uh, one of the, the topics I wanted to speak to you about, because you've written it in your new book, is this allowing kids to be bored. In this day and age, with so much entertainment accessible to them all the time, there's almost not an excuse to be bored. And yet it's a good thing for them to be bored. Is that what you're saying? It's such a good thing for all of us to be bored, <laughs> and especially our kids. Because in the world where we find ourselves, where we have our phones, I mean, recent statistics said that 75% of adults can reach their phone 24 hours a day where we have no excuse to be bored because we can catch up on our messages or we can look at our Facebook posts or whatever, being bored has become a lost art. <laughs> and it's so important for many reasons, and we'll speak specifically around kids, but probably two of the main reasons is, is when we bored, we process our emotions and our thoughts. So we have a chance for our brain to file away everything that's been happening and actually decide what we believe about it or what we think about it. So you kind of sift out mm. and kind of measure up to what we, to our values and what our families believe. Does this happen subconsciously or it consciously? It does. It happens subconsciously, but it also, I mean, sometimes when your mind is quiet, catch yourself thinking about an event or, and so it's your brain processing that thing. And so much damage is caused when our children are not given space and time to healthily process their emotions. And when we don't have time to be bored, we don't process our emotions. We pack them away and we crack on with what we're doing. So something made us angry and we're like, okay, 
calm down and then you carry on. But why did that make me angry? And what was that? What kind of sore point was that touching upon? And, and that's a key skill that parents need to teach their kids so that they can grow up in a healthy way. So that as adults, we can process our emotions because there's lots of us, even as adults, where we don't process our emotions and we just like armor up and, and crack on. And then the other important thing in terms of being bored is there is there are huge correlations between boredom and creativity is when our brains are constantly being given information and being told what's cool and what to do, we don't come up with original thoughts. And so boredom and quiet and space, although our kids really have to push through that initial discomfort of actually not being entertained, when they come out the other side, they're doing these creative things. We've all had it at home where our kids have come and said, I'm bored, I'm bored. And the times where we haven't given them an option and put the TV on or baked with them or entertained them in some way. And we've said, just go outside. I mean, you look out the window a little bit later and there's a fort being built <laughs> or there's a dance being made up or there's a, a war going on or they've come up with creative thoughts. And that is the root of new inventions. That's the root of solutions to world hunger, mm. to cures for diseases is the ability to create in our minds and come up with new ideas and thoughts. And if we don't ruthlessly make space in this digital world, we're going to lose that. So that's uh, maybe change the perception of that, with that sound that can be quite annoying. Oh, I'm bored. Actually, we can celebrate that. Absolutely. So, well, I go, well done. Yeah, well done. <laughs> Enjoy it. <laughs> My kids hate that. Yeah. <laughs> well, Christy, your book is called Hashtag Well Connected. And I want to turn a corner into this idea of connection and how important connection is to us, but some of the different ways in which we connect and how that's changed because of this technological landscape that we live in. Uh, you've got a, a story of being connected to someone that you, you aspire to. Maybe just share that story with us. Absolutely. We are created for connection. We're created to connect to ourselves, to God, and to people. It's where we thrive. It's where we work out our purpose. It's where we find our identity. And often, um, and maybe I should just say I love technology. <laughs> I love social media. And it's, I just think it's there's just elements of it that can kind of enslave us where we actually mm. just need to take control. Mm. And but it's one, not evil in itself. It's absolutely yeah. not evil. There's beautiful, incredible ways. Like you said, there's ways of enhancing friendships and connecting with family abroad and all these and actually finding out new things, which we love. But the reality is, is often we can swap out true, real connection for pseudo connection, for mm. something that is the illusion of connection. And so the story that you're referring to is there's a teacher and church leader in Portland, Oregon named John Mark Comer. And I absolutely love his work. I love the way they do church. I listen to his podcasts. I get a lot of stuff from the chat, from books he's written. It's really someone I admire. Um, and with social media being what it is, I follow him on Instagram. And so I know all sorts of things about his family. I know the names of his kids. I know that he's got a dog and he doesn't like the dogs, but the kids like the dog. I know <laughs> what his wife's name. I know what kind of exercise they do. I know they're vegan. I know all this stuff about their lives. It actually makes me think that they're my friends. <laughs> and the funny story is that I woke up one morning and when I checked my phone, I saw I had a, 
a follow request on Instagram from John Marcoma. And wow. this was a very exciting moment for me. Yeah. It's like I felt validated, <laughs> you know, that he'd heard about the chat and what I was doing. And he kind of like might want to partner in some way. And and suddenly, like, the relationship was going to be reciprocal. So I show my husband, and he just laughs at me because he, he knows how ridiculous it is. And then I, I screenshot it and sent it to a couple friends. <laughs> and, like, fortunately not too many, just my closest friends. And then I went, should I accept this request? Yes, I accept. John Mark, you may follow me on Instagram. <laughs> and so I was on a bit of a cloud for, like, two hours until a notification came up on my phone from Instagram from John Mark Homer saying, Anyone who received follow requests from me this morning, I have been hacked. (laughs) (laughs) Down from that cloud. (laughs) Down from the cloud with a crash. More laughter from my husband, Uh, more laughter from my friends. And I was like, John Marcoma has no clue who you are, and he probably never will. And it's a funny story because you feel like you know this person, but yeah. you don't know this person. And there's no connection whatsoever in that space. And it's it's a funny story for, for someone of my age, but it could be a potentially very hurtful moment for a young person yeah. who thought that someone popular that they aspire to be like was validating the relationship because they feel connected to that person. And then when they realize that that person hasn't have a clue who they are, that can be quite hurtful, you know, because um, young people are so invested in those online relationships. Mm. So just a great example of the fact that John, Mark and I are not mates. You guys are face to face with me. You're here with me. My husband, my kids, my close friends, those are my real connections. Yeah. And and we can have co- connections with people online, but they can only enhance real face to face relationships. They can't be the basis of them. they can't replace them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think to move into to quite a difficult and yet important topic, uh, we want to talk a little bit about pornography and the danger of pornography. But it does connect with this idea of connection because that in itself, it's trying to have a replacement, but it's it's a false replacement yeah. for connection. Yeah. Uh, so that's where it starts. Uh, just explain a little bit about the beginnings of that and then obviously the dangers of, of pornography. Sure. And so in our previous broadcast when we spoke about sex, we spoke about the fact that sex, it's designed to be this ultimate connection between a man and a woman. It's how um, it's, it's the deepest form of connection between two people. And so what pornography has done is it's completely distorted and broken sex from what it should be to becoming um, something of objectification and, and actually lust. And, and often... Um, People who are not connected in their relationships, in their face-to-face relationships, pornography can become an issue in their lives. Pornography is increasingly viewed by young people in a positive or a a neutral manner. Something like 89% of of 20-somethings see no harm in pornography. But then juxtaposed to that, we're seeing in the States, the stats are saying that one third of all divorces are caused by pornography. Sure. And so there's this, there's this tension between porn is actually this complete destroyer of connection. Mm-hmm. Um, it breaks up marriages. It breaks up relationships. It breaks up friendships, loss of job. It brings incredible shame, which is the ultimate breaker of connection from the people we love because you're in hiding. Mm-hmm. And... And it's just bringing such 
almost like bondage to people's lives. Uh, and often um, those who are addicted, to, who become addicted to pornography, although it is very much a chemical addiction like other drugs, it's often those who are at risk are those, especially teenagers, who do not have deep loving connections with their parents and with their families. Mm. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, we can talk more into the dangers and how we can protect our kids with that aspect of control and, and things we can put in place and boundaries but it really starts with with our connection with our kids absolutely uh, and along with that connection i think uh, comes back to your your original intent with the chat and that we need to be speaking to our kids about sex and sexuality and, and god's design for this beautiful thing mm. absolutely parents are terrified of talking about pornography and me included because it's one thing to talk about sex as this beautiful thing, but then to introduce your children to this ugly, depraved, broken version of sexuality is a really, really hard mm. thing. But in South Africa, the average age that a child is exposed to pornography is 11. If our children have access to the Internet, mm. we need to be talking to them about pornography. And how deeply we delve into those conversations depends on their age and their readiness. But even from, from little, if they have exposure to the Internet, we need to be saying you may come across things online that are ugly, that are dirty, that make you feel uncomfortable. And even to say things like God's given us this beautiful version of sex, but some people don't keep sex private. And that is never the way God intended it. So sometimes you might see something to do with people's bodies online and then to equip your children of what to do. Mm. Because often I speak at schools or I, I speak to young people and I say to them, I mean, my game plan that I give them in terms of pornography is, is literally switch it off because pornography is enticing. Dopamine kicks into your brain when you see, and especially mm. with young people. And so, so it's a chemical reaction that's a, taking place. It's the same as if you took mm. cocaine. Yeah. It's the same chemical reaction. So to be, I tell these kids to be ruthless, to switch it off. Don't delete it because often we say to kids, delete it. But you don't want them to delete it because as parents, you need to know what they've seen. If you are going to help them navigate it, unfortunately, you have to know what they've seen. So I say to kids, switch it off, put it down and run. Hmm. Go and find a parent or a safe person and tell them immediately because the voice of shame will come quickly. It'll say, you're disgusting. Why did you do that? You're going to get in so much trouble. What kind of person are you? And then because of the dopamine, there's a small part in your brain that goes, I actually quite enjoyed that. And that's with the shame cycle. And that's why we have children as young as 8, 9, 10 addicted to pornography um, because of this dopamine and shame cycle. But then as parents, we cannot freak out mm. because a lot of teens say to me, I could never tell my mom because she'd kill me. What would they think of me? And so as parents, we need, to, we need to navigate this thing well. And Focus on the Family actually has some great resources on their websites to, to help with this. Mm. But you need to, to know what they've seen. You need to talk it through. You need to fight that thing of shame. Mm. You don't want to be adding shame because no. it's part of what feeds it. Because often as parents, we're like, I'm so ashamed of you. What have you done? This is not what we do. Um, you know this is wrong. And that, that kind of shame is piled on mm. top. Mm. We need to be talking to them um, about the dangers. And then we actually need to help them process it. Mm. And I heard a, a really great story the other day where, friend of mine 
who she's actually been on the chat journey with me the whole way. So she's kind of bought the first book. She read it to all her kids. And so they've had beautiful open conversations with their kids. And then a little while ago, um, this little boy was actually sitting at the computer with his dad where and a porn pop-up came up on the screen. So immediately the dad closed the screen and didn't think the little boy had seen it. But because of this open kind of communication they'd established in their home, this little boy came to his mom a couple of days later and said, I can't get those pictures out my head. Mm. And so she was obviously heartbroken but she um, was able to process it and talk to him about it and then replace it. So she was able to take that first conversation about sex and say, remember yeah. what God designed it to be. Remember yeah. this. And then what she did is she prayed with him. So she said to him, I want you to picture yourself taking that picture and putting it in a box and giving it to Jesus because Jesus died on the cross for all sin and all shame and all our brokenness. And I want you to ask Jesus what he wants to give you back. And immediately had this picture in his mind of him playing soccer with his friends. Mm. And so there is a way of processing mm. these things that we can actually replace the lies with truth. Yeah. It can be redeemed. It can be completely redeemed. So something tried to steal this little guy's innocence. And then because of it being processed well with his mom, he got that back. Yeah. Mm. And I think also to celebrate that they've actually come to you. Absolutely. You actually praise them. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming to me with mm. this. This mm. is the right thing to have done. Mm. You did the exact right thing by immediately coming mm. to me with this. Well done. Mm. You know, as opposed to our reaction, which could be, oh, my goodness, now what? You exactly. know, what have you done? Yeah. And you were proactive, or they were proactive in having that first mention mm. come from them, uh, where the first mention of sexuality mm. was from the parents explaining actually God's design for this beautiful gift. Absolutely. Uh, so you had that as a frame to be able to say this doesn't align with that, and then they could deal with it and put it away. Mm. Yeah. And even children who haven't had that first mention, even children whose first exposure to sex is pornography, there is always a way back from yeah. that. Yeah. There's always a way to redeem the beautiful version. Yeah. But just as parents, to be proactive and to be, like you said, open to our kids' conversations. And like we said in the initial broadcast is that we create a safe space in our homes where we're talking all the time about things and that questions are welcome. Yeah. Even scary questions are welcome. And yeah, that there's unconditional love that is so important with pornography. I love you. There's nothing you could do that would make me love you less. Mm. And I'm going to help you mm. walk through this. So it's a lot about just communication and constantly reaffirming the value of the child uh, so that if they are exposed to something that they, they're able to come to you, they've got that open line of communication. Absolutely. Christy, you've written this book, and there's so much uh, we've covered over the last couple of days. Just, I'm hoping that parents are not feeling overwhelmed by, oh, what are the things I have to put in place? And, and I'm on the back foot already. Uh, but you've written this book, Hashtag Well Connected, How to Be Safe, Wise, and Kind Online. And we've talked about a lot of those issues, but you've written it actually aimed at 8 to 11-year-olds. And so I, I really appreciate this is something that, parents can can get a hold of and actually give to their child uh, rather than feeling like they've got to get it all right. Mm. They've got to say it in the right way at the right time and in the right tone and they sh shouldn't be too harsh but they shouldn't be too kind. This is a way that the child can digest this information and hopefully then have a conversation with their parents uh, after that or during that. Is that the intention? That's absolutely the intention. So I wrote this book 
with consultation of my nine and 11 year olds, trying to make sure that I wasn't um, too much of a a mom (laughs) and trying to make the language accessible because increasingly as I speak to parents and children, I'm realizing that as parents, we can do our absolute best to keep our kids safe. But what we need to do most of all is to is to put in them an internal motivation to protect what is precious, an internal heart posture and along with very practical tools of where they're going in their life, where they want to go and how social media and online life can fit into the vision that they have for their lives. And that comes with just ways of being and doing online. And then also in the book, I've given some tips for parents and also some kind of cut up conversation cards that they can use over dinner because although that's that's the um, initial basis that hopefully the children will get through reading or the parents reading to them there will be things that like you guys were saying earlier offline is some of these things are going to go over my kids heads right now and so they can revisit those things often and talk about them when I wrote Birds, Bees and Destinies, one of the best compliments anyone ever gave me was, I feel so much more connected with my child through reading this book. Sure. And that is my, my absolute prayer for families is that the resources connect them. Hmm. Because when we have healthy connections and healthy communications in the home, we know that it spills out positively to everything. So it's a play on the words well-connected. Exactly. That's actually one of your main purposes. That's one of my, my goals in everything I do is well-connected families. Yeah. And so we can be well-connected online, but at the heart of it all is we well-connected to the people we love. Yeah, yeah. How important is it for us to be modeling this as well in the home? I'm just thinking we, we want to have control, but also have flexibility when I be having these conversations. But at the same time, our kids are watching us and, and we are our phones at night. And what does our communication husband and wife look like if we're sitting on our, our phones scrolling through Facebook posts? I speak to that. This is such an important topic. There is some research showing that the generation that's growing up today are going to kick back against technology when they become parents because they don't want the digitally distracted parents that, that they, they had. had. Sure. And that's, that's quite an indictment on us. <laughs> and it doesn't matter that you're on your phone organizing their soccer lift club <laughs> or their party. The reality is they're seeing the top of your head as you're on your phone. And there's a page in my book where there's this little girl online and and she's shouting to her mom, mom, I'm just going to use your credit card to buy a puppy. (laughs) And the mom's on her phone, distracted, going, whatever. (laughs) And that's the reality is we have to lead by example. We need to audit our own social media worlds and our own online lives. I mean, I've been in coffee shops and I've seen the teenagers not on their phones and the parents distracted on their phones. And so if we're telling our kids, don't take devices and phones into the bedroom. Are we doing that? When we say no phones at the dinner table, is dad on his phone? Now I'm doing important business, so it's okay for me to be on my phone. You can't be on Snapchat. We have to lead by example. And obviously they, we are still the parents and there are certain times where we would need our phones or there's certain things on our phones that our children don't have access to because it might be a private conversation. But we do need to be practicing what we're preaching in terms of social media and also that we don't fall into the traps mm. um, because it's dopamine is triggered in our brains and we are 
also addicted. We also need to be bored. We also need to process. We also need to connect and growing brains even more so. But it's important for every family and, and each of us. I love that you mentioned the the dining room table and sitting around a meal. I think it's so important. There's research that just talks to the benefits of across such a wide spectrum of just having a meal together Absolutely. and as parents I think we've got to we've got to start by modeling that well and saying well we're not going to have our phones at the table because actually we want to connect Christy thanks for being with us it's an absolute pleasure thank you so much Christy it's been an awesome two days of conversation Today's conversation with Christy was truly captivating. She is so well-versed in the area of how technology is affecting our modern-day lives, and she understands the challenges parents face in navigating this complex issue. I really believe that it's essential that parents educate themselves and have honest conversations with their children about technology use. This is a critical topic that deserves our attention and effort in the home. A great starting point is to get a copy of Christie's book, Hashtag Well Connected, How to Be Safe, Wise and Kind Online. It's a great tool that can be a catalyst to some open conversations with your kids. You'll find that on our website at safamily.co.za or you can call us on 031 716-3300. And if you're in the Eastern Cape, please join us at our hashtag WellConnected events in Nelson Mandela Bay and East London next week on the 16th and 18th of October, as well as morning events on the 17th and 18th about online sex and relationships. Some of the topics across both events include tweens and screens, the perfect storm, social developmental and emotional impact, sexting, online romantic relationships, sexual grooming, and catfishing. You'll find all the info and you can get your tickets on our website at safamily.co.za. Thanks so much for joining us today. I'm Alison Schnell for Focus on the Family Africa, inviting you back next time when we'll once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.